So I just need to start off by needing to be really honest with y'all. This week, I wrote a majority of my sermon while on muscle relaxers and Tylenol with codeine. Um, So I don't know what's about to happen. Although the first two times I did it have gone pretty well. And I'm very excited when this service is over because I get to go take a Tylenol of codeine. So, but I'm not going to cut this short, I promise. So I'm really excited to be preaching on the subject of growth. But I want to start by saying that I'm really jealous of a group of people. But I need to start off by saying that about seven years ago, I was teaching confirmation to a group of awkward, funny, insecure sixth graders. I got to walk with them all through junior high, through high school. And so all of them are in their first year of college. And I'm jealous because I can't think of a time where I experienced more growth than when I first started college. And so I'm excited for these girls because those that maybe didn't have an awesome high school experience because they couldn't quite fit in or they felt like they couldn't find that group that understood or they couldn't find a passion or maybe they just felt insecure or whatever it was, I know that they're finding that at college now. And I loved college because you got to finally grow into the person you wanted to be. You got to be your authentic self. And so I'm jealous because I remember those five years. I'm hoping, praying it's only four years for these girls since I know their parents and they're really banking on paying for four years and not five years. But over those five years that I had, I grew in incredible ways in my faith especially. But now that I'm in my early 30s, My husband, well, Scott will try to tell you I'm in my mid-30s, but I am in my early 30s. I'm finding that I kind of am just going through the motions, that I'm kind of in this routine where I feel like I'm not growing in the way that I want to be. And I don't quite know how to get out of that. Maybe you feel like that too. And so today's scripture comes from the book of Hebrews, and I'm actually going to do you all a favor, and you don't have to stand for it, because it's very, very long. I wish I could sit down. (laughs) But would you hear these words from Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 13? I'll be reading from the NLT translation, so it will be slightly different from the Pew Bible. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. 
After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. And have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves. And he punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Who ever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. So take a new grip with your tired hand and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now I love the Bible. I do. But when I read things about discipline, I'm not a big fan of that. And what is it about that word discipline? It makes me kind of just cringe a little bit. Because I guess I have a bad taste in my mouth about discipline. It just rubs me the wrong way. I started thinking about discipline and what words came to mind. What words do I associate with discipline? And here's a few that came to mind. Harsh, rules, fun, killer, boundaries, mean-spirited, not fair, too demanding. See, when I think about discipline at a glance, it makes me want to run the other way. I mean, I'm an adult now, again, in my early 30s. No one needs to tell me how to live. No one needs to give me rules. I make my own choices. I can stay up as late as I want. Although usually I regret it when my daughter wakes up at 5.30. But still, I can still make that choice for myself. I can eat Pop-Tarts in my bed if I want. I can buy that cute shirt at Target and the scarf and the purse and the earrings and whatever, and then hide them in my closet so Scott doesn't know. But I can do those things because I'm an adult and no one tells me what to do. And I think that's our attitude towards discipline. Because bottom line is, we have it all figured out. We have arrived, we got it going on. But you want to know one of my biggest pet peeves is besides spelling my name wrong, is when someone says this, and I know we've all heard some form of this, but when someone says, well, I've always been this way, so why change now? Nothing makes me more frustrated when we say things like that. 
And yet, and yet, the discipline in my own life, the growth in my own life is quite small. Because I will take comfort any day over trying to grow myself in some way. And that is so opposite of what God desires for us. I have to, we all have to come to terms that growth and discipline is part of this package when we claim that Lord, that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. See, I think a lot of our energy, a lot of our focus is just getting people to believe and to accept Jesus Christ. That has become the end goal. That has become the finish line. We quickly seem to clock out once that decision has been made. See, there's so much more to this Christian life than saying yes. We know that. And as Christians and as Methodists, particularly, we believe in something called sanctification. That we encounter this sanctifying grace that is continually stripping away things that don't allow us to look like Christ. This grace is chipping away and making us a better version, making us more Christ-like. We even believe as Methodists that we can reach perfection. Isn't that insane? That's crazy. And I think so many of us look at me and think, well, that is so out of reach for me. I mean, I don't, I'm really close to it. But for the rest of you, But we think, oh, I could never even get close. So why even try? I already got my card punched. I'm getting into heaven. But spoiler alert, Methodists don't believe once saved, always saved. Now I'm not trying to make this a sermon about works, but I think we're missing out. I think we forget to enroll in the next process of faith after we say Yes. This sanctifying grace is all about growth. It's all about change. And it's all about letting go of comfort. And yes, it's about discipline. Growth is painful. Growth is uncomfortable. Growth demands so much more of us than we are willing to admit to. And I know the only way to experience that inner growth is through discipline. So I started to think deeply about what discipline from God is. And I realized why I am so good at ignoring it. Often I believe that discipline from God is so subtle. It's so little. And it can be so quiet. That's why it's easy to ignore. Of course we can dodge it. Of course we can push it aside because there's so many other voices and things going on in our heads. But this small discipline that God wants to do has huge benefits. Let me give you a few examples how I feel that God has personally disciplined me in the past. So there, there's a softball thrown at me. Not literal, figuratively. A softball thrown to me is when maybe I find out something about someone and I have the opportunity to make 
a sarcastic remark or say something rude or participate in gossip. For me, that's easy. I can do that. But that voice inside of me says, don't do it. Love your neighbor. So I used to find comfort in people's reaction to my jokes and to things I said. That is what I find comfort in. But in those moments when God says, don't do it, I grow. Because when the next time it happens, I stay silent again. And all of a sudden, I start to love people better. Or in the past, when I've dated guys that just weren't right, and maybe there were some red flags, the discipline of God looked like him saying, this isn't the right, this isn't the right person. Trust me, there is something better. See, I used to get really comfortable with relationships and think, well, it's good enough. It's good enough. And if I hadn't listened to the discipline of God, I might have missed out on something really fantastic. I remember a time I was going through a really, really rough work situation and feeling like I can't do this. I am not cut out for ministry. And God said, I think you need a mentor. That was a discipline for me. I need you to reach out to someone and say you're not okay. And that's uncomfortable to admit to someone that you're struggling and that you need help and you need accountability and you need prayers. But I would have missed out on incredible growth. See, do you see how easy it would be to miss out on growth? When we simply choose to ignore that tiny voice, that little nudge inside us that's trying to tell us, you need to grow and this is how you're going to do it. So I wondered, why, why do I feel like all of us seem to be stuck? Why do so many of us struggle to grow? And the word that kept coming to my mind this week was a word, passive. See, I think we become very passive. We're very good at letting things just pass us by and go on. We don't really take an active role. And I feel that's kind of because society has trained us that way. Take a pass, choose the easier thing. Think about some of the messages maybe you've heard or maybe you've said. Well, if you don't like it, then just quit. If this job is too much, then just get a different one. If you don't feel like going, then just don't show up. Just text instead of call. Drop that class if you can't handle it. If you don't know anyone there, then don't go. See, I feel like we're setting ourselves up to not be challenged, to not do things that maybe momentarily make us uncomfortable. We're passive and we elect to take the easier route. And my friends, if we continue to do that, you can kiss the idea of growth Goodbye. I don't want us to be content with this mediocre version of ourselves. I don't want to be okay with who I am today. 
If I look back a year from now, so today, September 30th, 2018, and I'm exactly the same in one year, I failed. I want us to be pursuing a better version of ourselves. I want us to be pursuing growth. And it's hard because God's love is radical in the way that God just loves us how we are. We don't have to do anything to earn it. He just accepts us. But this love is also expectant. God expects us to change. God expects us to grow and pursue things like more kindness and forgiveness and love. And so I worry that some of us are going to miss out on so much because we think, I can't do it. It's too hard. And then as I dug deeper in this passage, I found something that was a little bit more alarming. It talks about God punishing us. And the word punish that is used here is the same that's used in the Gospels when it's talking about the punishment of Christ, specifically the flogging of Christ. And I thought, ooh, that is not the discipline I want to be associated with. I did not sign up for something violent. And I think we have to be careful that we don't look at that and say, well, God punishes us in the way of God sends us all the heartache. God sends us things like cancer and trauma and natural disasters. But no, that's not what it's saying. But the key part about this is that because Christ experienced growth and suffering, that we're connected to him, that God, that Christ understands what it's like. God shares in our challenges and our discomfort. So I want us to get a little bit more comfortable with discipline. And I promise it's not as scary as we think it is. We're just simply not called to a passive life. We are called to one that is very much Engaged with hearing from God, responding to God, trying new things, doing new things, creating new habits, stretching ourselves, challenging ourselves. And the only thing that really hinders us from growth is ourselves. So yes, growth takes dedication. Growth takes worth. Growth takes us listening. We have to pursue a greater than life today. And so it takes incredible self-awareness, a deep connection to God. But I think we can do it. Now as a Methodist, I love sanctifying grace. I love that we have a goal. I love that we're pursuing something. I love that. And this Hebrews text was a little hard for me. So I wanted to find a nicer version of it. And I found one. In Philippians 3, it says this, and this resonated with me. I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past 
and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. And I love this passage for a lot of reasons. I love that it talks about forgetting the past. I think we have to look at maybe this is how I've been, but that doesn't determine who I have to be forever. And I love that it says, I have not achieved it. Because I think sometimes we think, well, this is as good as I'm ever going to be. And that's just not true. I love that it pushes me to go forward and to pursue growth. And in order to go forward, I'm going to have to have discipline. And I'm going to have to let go of comfort. In closing, I want to share just a few stories of people from the Bible that took a pass on growth. The young rich man who didn't want to sell his possessions took a pass on growth. He took a pass on being with Christ, walking with him and learning from him. He took a pass on growth because he didn't want to give up something. The Jewish leaders who did not want to eat with the sinners took a pass on growth. They missed out on having conversations and maybe having their eyes opened and their hearts softened. They took a pass on growth. David, who got obsessed with someone else's wife, took a pass on growth. He didn't learn what it meant to have self-control. He took a pass on growth and ultimately took a pass on being a better leader. Moses took things in his own hands when he did not wait on God to give water. So he took a pass on growth. He took a pass on trusting. And I read this list and I think, I don't want my name to be on this list. And I don't want your name to be on it either. A parent's discipline is really only temporary. But God's discipline is for a lifetime. And it's good. It's really good. See, this love of God, it pushes us. It challenges us. It confronts us. It disciplines us. And it can grow us in incredible ways. And it can give us a life that truly is greater than So what will you do to pursue this greater than life? How will you grow? Because God is calling you to a life of growth. May we let go of all the comfort of the world in order to know God and to look more like Christ. Amen.